All right, Monday night. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mayor, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jesse? Remember, this is the time of the show where we like to remind everybody to uh, share this message. Just click that share, my, uh, that share button. Again, every Monday around this time. Yes. We try to get. We try to start at seven. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, uh, yeah, share and of course engage. We love to see all of your questions, comments, and concerns throughout the broadcast. What are we talking about tonight? Uh, this is going to be very interesting tonight, and this is that's, this is actually uh, a very uh, interesting topic, and it's really uh, it, it's it's a direction that we're bringing the city of Melbourne into, um, and it's it, it's called low impact development, and it's kind of you know you hear the name low impact development, but what we, what we did or is brought an expert in uh, and who's done work with the uh, uh, with the uh, Indian River Lagoon uh, uh, Council, the group, and uh, he's uh, done a lot of work. Well, with with Canaveral, we we saw him up in Cape Canaveral uh, a couple weeks ago when when Dr. Soto, who was on here a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, was up there, and she 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 says nothing but amazing things about his work. And he came before our, our Melbourne City Council, and he kind of started to give that low impact development pitch. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, boy, we we need to really go this direction, and 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 that's the way we're going to go. So before you know, I'd like to uh, introduce uh, Crick. Uh, Chris Bogdan, and uh, and he can tell us a little bit of, about himself. Hey, hello, Chris. Hi, how are you tonight? It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first time doing this, so I feel like so oh, cool. And yeah, victim. Here. we I'm got a victim. You. Yes, we got a victim. I didn't. I would appreciate it if you didn't call me that, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Bogdan. I work with Ferguson Waterworks, and so I work with our green infrastructure group or low impact development. Those two words are kind of exchangeable, and essentially, it's just a different way to look at stormwater management. So I been with Ferguson for about a year. Prior to that, I worked with a company called ECS, and we manufactured a bold and gold media mm-hmm. that was invented at the University of Central Florida. We've actually used it here in the mm-hmm. city, and, and it and takes yeah. nitrogen and phosphorus out of water. So oh. I've been in this water quality world for a Love little that. while, and and we've done a lot of work with a bunch of different cities and counties, Melbourne being one of them. And uh, so it's exciting to be here and talk about what green infrastructure can do for the city. You know, um, this is to me is is very important because you know being in the in the mayor position, you have the ability to change the directions of city with the support of council. And I wanted to stay green. I wanted to make sure we kept our trees and kept our you know uh, our green spaces. Those that's very important to me. And then um, this kind of development also. Uh, changes the game for the Indian River Lagoon because the the old mentality was to take uh, stormwater and let it all run to the Indian River Lagoon and then you had the, all the the trash and nitrogen phosphorus so of course we've been doing baffle boxes and after you mentioned the the uh, the uh, bio the bone gold uh, we see that in all the new uh, baffle box uh, material but uh, it it's kind of how would you describe it it would be keeping the water in that in that area correct yeah oh, it's a great way to put it I mean essentially the the goal of green infrastructure is to capture water, rainwater, where it falls. When rain hits the ground, it runs essentially across surface areas, could be grass, could be uh, could be pavements, and it picks up pollutants along the way, and then those pollutants go into a drain, and they go into the la- lagoon or the river or uh, maybe a pond or a creek or mm-hmm. you know something in your yard so or in your area. So basically, green infrastructure says we're going to collect that water and just really try and keep it on site, hang on to it, so that we just don't let it go untreated into the lagoon. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And, and it's actually much more than that um and if you were to look like some of the projects that we're doing now if you were to go down pineapple avenue uh i remember when we fought the initial dot they were going to 
do a half mile bike path and they were going to rip out all the old oak trees and it was just going to pour concrete and we got that changed and we kept the oak trees but if you look at it now and you see you know a lot of people say well it looks real nice now you have the pavers and you have the the, the trees in the middle and you got like the the drains box but that that's all by design is it not oh 100 percent. yeah i mean green infrastructure i would say starts with tree canopy and making yeah. sure that we intercept that rainwater with trees and essentially it's just a different way of managing stormwater and so green it's in the name obviously so we yeah. love that tree canopy it starts there ultimately gives people places to go it's shady it's lice you know i mean Mm -hmm. so it's a way to implement or or i would say just to bring stormwater management at the end of the day into what's already the cityscape so it's it's really adding amenities while you're managing stormwater along the way you know, we're, we're also doing a, a, a project. It's going to be in downtown Melbourne. We're going to be adding those boxes as well, uh, as well. And I know it's a pilot program, but it's, to me, we're already well past the pilot program. Would you not say that? Totally, yeah. There's a lot of different products and things that are coming out that are brand new. So one of the things we do at Ferguson, essentially, is just try and find the latest and greatest products that work to clean water, fit within those city landscapes. And so there's constantly new things coming out um, that just manage the water a little bit differently or maybe use a different treatment technology. So I think it's awesome that you guys are really leading the way to say, hey, we see something new here. Let's give it a try. Let's see if that works, you know? And so there's ways to partner with folks to uh, to, to monitor those things, check them out, which I know your team is doing, mm-hmm. to see how effective they are. And that's how you really bring new technologies to surrounding communities. Now, a question I'd have for you is, is you know, we're just starting this with the city, and I, I greatly appreciate what you're doing, and you're helping our staff to, to kind of understand some of the, these new concepts and and. But my question to you, would what, what are other cities doing like ahead of us that we, we should see coming down the pike? For example, is, you know, we just did our first uh, our, our first rain, well, rain pond yeah. and, and that the Sherwood uh, Park baffle box. And you got the big gigantic rain pond and that holds the water. But can you kind of tell me what we we're looking at here? Yeah, I mean, that was an excellent example of you guys really, I, I say the city of Melbourne really leading the charge. An uh, amazing green infrastructure project that included some some rain gardens, actually is what they called. So they're built in a specific way to process water, clean that water. Uh, those ponds are taking nitrogen out of the water before it gets in the lagoon. So a really huge project for the lagoon. And then the baffle box, which was there as well, is keeping out gross pollutants. You think about trash. You know, if you look inside of pipes or think about the things that go down a storm drain, mm-hmm. leaves and trash and things like that, that not only are they unsightly, but they also carry a lot of pollutants. So by capturing those in a baffle box, you're preventing all that stuff from going into the city. And I would say these programs kind of start doing things just the way that you guys are doing. I mean, you find opportunities to basically implement this green infrastructure. And um, as time goes by and you really start to look at where we really see cities doing things, you talk about the downtown area. Mm-hmm. As you redevelop these areas and, and maybe bring them up to you know bring new aesthetics to the areas there's awesome opportunities to fold these things in, in, in these technologies in so not only are you improving the overall look of the community but you're also managing stormwater and it's all happening within the same project mm-hmm. interesting and and also something that i really liked is also like the permeable pavers um right now they're the way some of the code is written i'm not very happy with it it's just old mentality that something has to be paved yeah and and, and you know where where the water hits the concrete and it goes somewhere and maybe do a swell or something the permeable pavers i think not only they look good 
Um, you see them in crosswalks in certain places, but they also allow the water to, to go down there as opposed to just pushing it. Absolutely. And that's another, you know, it's green infrastructure. So you think green, you mentioned trees. Yeah. We think maybe about landscaping, incorporating that into stormwater management. But it's also basically these types of permeable systems you talked about. Essentially, if you think about asphalt or concrete, when it rains, the water hits that and it goes to a drain. But these permeable surfaces allow that water to actually just go straight through the surface, right down into the ground. They never make their way into the lagoon and they look beautiful. So essentially you're creating this wonderful amenity for the community uh, in terms of maybe some on-street parking or some crosswalks. And then amidst doing that, you're getting rid of water at the same time and really managing it in a healthy way as opposed to just letting it go into the lagoon. So it doesn't necessarily mean green infrastructure doesn't necessarily mean that it's got to be a plant or that it's green. Essentially, it's just a it's a description of a way to manage stormwater try and keep it on your site as much mm -hmm. as possible as opposed to just letting it go off. Yeah, that, that's, and that, that's interesting. And, you know, also when I, I read more into this, you know, the, the green roofs, the, you know, the, 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 the plants on the roofs, as, as well as you go down 95 and you see in the, the middle of the median, you see all the, like, what is that, the wild, or what is that, all the, the, the plants you know, instead of going and just yeah. mowing everything. That, that's part of it, correct? That's all part of it. That's mm -hmm. absolutely right. So there's new technologies. I mean, these have been around now for probably 15, 20 years when I say new, but essentially you landscape a roof. So instead of it just being shingles or tile or a membrane, now it's vegetated. It's something that folks can look at. It's pretty, not to mention that calms the heat island effect down. Mm -hmm. So it actually makes that building more efficient. So you're giving the folks that are in that building looking out, instead of looking at a dirty old roof, they're now mm -hmm. looking at a nice garden. So that's another example of a, of a low impact development or a green structure technology or, or method to manage water again and you know that would be very sightly if you think about when you're now at the you know the hotel melbourne you're looking down in downtown melbourne imagine instead of seeing you know modified bitumen bitumen roofs and you know the old you know flat roofs if you saw green and stuff growing on a roof i mean that that would really change the landscaping and really the pill alone you're really in my opinion you're you're accomplishing uh, several missions at once Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the goal. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to manage stormwater in a way that adds amenities both for folks to enjoy, you know, social spaces, you create these great spaces. It's awesome. You mentioned the downtown area, you retrofit these areas or you improve the overall aesthetics. Businesses now are wanting to come into the area or you can command higher rents as a, as a property owner because you've created some new spaces for maybe people to walk or bike. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's all about the environment, right? We know here in Melbourne how important the Indian River Lagoon is and the Indian River in general is to us. Many of us have lived here like myself for 40 years and I've been kicking it around that river or creek or you name it for that time. So it's really not only giving us cool places to hang out, helping businesses thrive, but it's also thinking about the environment and making sure that we take care of that, that asset really is what I think it is for the area. Uh, that's nice. Um, I do notice, like, when I look at your some of your background and stuff, you've actually done quite a few uh, classes and stuff. When, you know, I saw when the, uh, you know, our Indian River La uh, Lagoon, the uh, the Marine Resources Council group, um, I, I see your name on a lot of the stuff on your teaching classes. Is that correct? Well, I've been fortunate. Last year, they we hold a conference every year. Mm -hmm. I, say, I should say uh, Dr. Soto holds a conference every mm -hmm. year there at the Marine Resources Council to really just tell folks about what's going on with the lagoon. You guys are very big supporters mm -hmm. of the uh, the 
report card, so you're well aware of what that's about. But yeah, I had the fortune of being able to kind of talk, and I'm really passionate about this, you yeah. know, like letting people know what it is, how it helps, and how it's different than how we've traditionally managed stormwater. So yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm humbled to say I'm an expert, but I've been around it for a little while, you know, and so I, uh, I kind of live and breathe this stuff every day and, and can see opportunities or look for opportunities to implement this stuff. You know, w- one thing that, that I learned a lot now that, that I've been in government is the importance of stormwater. I mean, everybody sees, well, the water, it rains. As long as the water goes away, I'm okay. You know, mm-hmm. as long as my street isn't flooded or, yeah, you yeah. know, or something like that. But the issue that you have is all that water is carrying debris. And if you look at the street, you know, how many people have said, well, the streets look beautiful after it rains because everything goes down the gutter. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, that stuff goes somewhere. And, right. and that goes and it has to be processed. Well, normally, like I said, it, it, it goes down into... Well, before it was just straight to the lagoon. I mean, all streams lead to the Indian River Lagoon, um, or and then baffle boxes. Um, right now, <clears throat> I did an update for the realtors today, and right now, the city of Melbourne we have on baffle boxes, we have five of them right now in in, in engineering. Um, I'm hoping, knock on wood, um, I wrote a letter to Governor DeSantis on ensuring that we got our $1.3 million for the Spring Creek Baffle Box. That's a huge project. That's about 50, 55 acres, I think, around the O'Galley area, all that being funneled into the lagoon without having a baffle box. Um, and, and there's you know that that's something that I I believe I've been told that it should last. So that's in my opinion. I think that's going to be one of the largest baffle box projects, pipe replacements um, uh, that's going to be done. You know, in 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 Melbourne. Um, so hopefully that works out and we get that. But that's all part of the baffle box. The this the uh, the green infrastructure and uh, the, the being green. So um, if you would kind of go through uh, each one, uh, you, you brought some slides here and it can maybe give some of our viewers an idea of, um, of what what you're looking at. And, you know, the night you came before the city, Melbourne City Council and you discussed this, you know, you were kind of on point on this. So kind of tell us a little bit about this, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. We can go ahead and just push through the slide here and um, give everyone a, a brief overview of what it is that we're talking about. Um, essentially, at the end of the day, as I've said, it's just a different way uh, to manage stormwater. So uh, as we push through these slides here, um, you know, left and right graphics. So traditional stormwater management's on the left-hand side of the screen. Essentially, it rains, and we try and get that rain into a gutter or, or a drain, which goes into a pipe, and it goes into some sort of a receiving water body. That water body, as you've alluded to many a times, is the Indian River. It could be the O'Galley River. Uh, it could just be a pond that you see in your yard. So that's traditional, conventional stormwater management. And I like to say that's ultimately what's got us here to where we are today. On the right-hand side of the screen, this is an example of the way things used to be in terms of um, stormwater management. When it rained, before we developed anything, it was just natural land. And so when it rained, the water hit the ground. For the most part, it soaked into the ground. Maybe it ran over the over the uh, land a little bit and got into a river or a stream. But for the most part, everything that hit the ground stayed on the ground and it stayed out of those water bodies. So green infrastructure or low impact development says basically we want to just keep that water on site. We want to slow that water down when it rains. We want to spread it out on our site and ideally soak it in so that it doesn't go to some sort of a water body. And when you do that, a couple things happen. Number one, you keep all those pollutants out of there, right? And, And number two, you're giving the water a place to go Um, And and I'll talk about the importance of that in a second versus flooding, you know, so this is a great way to prevent pollution and also reduce any kind of localized flooding that is happening. I mean, I think we all see that going around. Um, We'll go to the next slide. 
And basically, this is Melbourne. I mean, this is a great example of what green infrastructure versus developed area looks like. On the right-hand side of the screen, this is development. This is Melbourne. So you see those big ponds that are kind of spread out throughout the landscape. Well, all that water that hits all that area is piped and it goes into those ponds. Before we developed anything, look here to the screen. You're going to look just to the west of 95. This is what the land used to look like when it rained. Where'd the water go? It went basically right there, right? It's not going anywhere different. So great example of, I'd say, to the west, it's what's to come. I mean, I'm sure you know, Mayor, folks want to move here. Folks want to live here. It's a beautiful place. So this is a great example of what traditional infrastructure looks like on the right-hand side versus what green infrastructure could look like on the left-hand side. Mm. We'll go to the next slide. And we talk about why is this important? Well, ultimately on top, you think about the infrastructure here in the city of Melbourne, how, how long ago were these pipes put in the ground? There's no telling. I mean, lots of places I go, the infrastructure has been in there for 80 years. Yeah. So basically it was a pipe, maybe it was an 18 inch pipe that they built so many years ago to service a certain amount of people. And that's kind of what I'm illustrating here at the top go down, well, what's happening? Is Melbourne growing? I I think it is, right? I mean, lots of people are moving here. Well, guess what? Those pipes are still the same size. So essentially, we've basically tried to put three times more water into that piping system than was ever really supposed to be there. Those pipes can't handle it. And sometimes that's why you see some localized flooding. The water's just got nowhere to go in terms of actually going through Mm -hmm. a pipe. And then take that one step further. We'll go to the next slide. Uh, Many of you folks that live maybe on a creek or on the river out here at the coast, look at these pipes. You see these pipes that kind of stick out on the side. Well, this is where all that storm water, after it's collected, this is how all the water gets into these waterways. Well, guess what? I don't see a pipe anymore. You know, you see my boots there. I took these pictures out at the Crane Creek Promenade to really tie this into Melbourne, but there's no more place for that water to go. So when it rains, basically, instead of that water being able to dump into wherever that pipe is, now all that water's building up in the pipes, and that water ends up showing its face in the the city somewhere, maybe your neighborhood. So essentially, I always kind of say, I think it's a good analogy. Our buckets are all full. You know, I think the Indian River Lagoon and the Indian River itself, the, the nutrient bucket, the pollution bucket, it's full. It can't take anymore. We're doing everything we can to try and get it out of there. And the same thing I would say in terms of just putting the water there. It's got nowhere to go. So this green infrastructure basically is a, is a way to give us new places to put water. And I think the next slide will show us that. Yep, yep. So here's green infrastructure. You mentioned a lot of these things today. So rain gardens, uh, green roofs, tree box filters. If you look at this picture here, basically all the water has an opportunity to maybe go into those gardens, like rain gardens, or some of these pavers that you're seeing here could be the permeable pavers that, that, that Mayor mentioned earlier that basically allow the water to seep down into the ground. So lots of different opportunities to collect water. And, and what you're seeing here is pedestrian riding on the road, places for folks to park big nice areas for people to walk in these downtown areas mm-hmm. and, and by the way you're going to do this probably anyway right mm-hmm. you're probably going to improve the streetscapes and everything so it's just a way to really fold stormwater management in and if you think about each one of those things i like to think of it as look we just created a new little pail we created a new little place where we can park the water let it go back down into the ground as opposed to letting it go into uh, the river or the lagoon so this is a great example of showing some techniques for that uh, i think i've got another slide here Jesse, 
Um, yeah, we talk about the benefits of green infrastructure, and it's called the triple bottom line, okay? So to the right, you can see when we think about creating these spaces, we want to create great social places for people to come and hang out and spend time with their families. You know, for me personally, I love going for a walk down at the promenade or down by the river. I love going downtown where there's trees. It just, it feels good to be in those areas, and I'm drawn to those areas. Economic, I mean, heck, if I'm going there and I'm bringing my family there, I'm probably going to have lunch, or maybe I'm going to go shop at the candle shop, or I'm going to go to the... You you know, whatever the downtown amenities are. So the econ the economy is benefiting. I mean, businesses are thriving. People are coming in and spending money. And then the environment. You know, when you think back to that slide we just looked at, all that looks so pretty. And we're just incorporating that stormwater management into that. We're putting all that water into the, keeping it in that downtown area, not letting it go to the lagoon. So benefits that we're not just thinking about maybe designing for cool places for people to be or for businesses to thrive, but really trying to tie all three of those things together for long-term impact in the city here. Uh, let's see what we got next here. Um, yeah, benefits. We talk about this. So first and foremost, if we're putting water back down into the ground, we're recharging those aquifers. Mm -hmm. Recharging aquifers is great because that's where we get our drinking water. One mm -hmm. of the things, number two, when you put water back down into the ground, it creates a pressure that really keeps and pushes seawater out. So if you think about sea level rise and, and those conversations that are happening, putting water back down into the ground helps keep seawater out. I love this. It adds tax revenue for municipalities. I mean, we're talking about green infrastructure and putting stormwater management in the streets of Melbourne, but we can do this on any commercial property. So, uh, you know, for you guys in Melbourne, you have permits from the state that say, hey, you're managed. You have to mm -hmm. clean a certain amount of water. You're yep. very well aware of these yep. things. So if we get the development community to start implementing these kinds of, of, of uh, management practices instead of putting up that BM, I call, BMP, I call it a big muddy pond. Okay. I don't like big muddy ponds. So, but if we do <laughs> some of these things here, now all of a sudden you've got a whole piece of real estate that doesn't have a pond anymore. That's more tax revenue for the municipalities. I mm -hmm. think that that's really, really important and really the biggest benefit of that is if developers or private people keep the water on site, it's not your problem anymore. They're mm. putting it in the ground. They're not giving it to you anymore. It makes your world, mm. it makes all your stormwater folks' world so much easier. And then we gave some examples earlier about what localized flooding is. You know, if that bucket is full, if the pipes are full and they can't take any more water, what are we going to do? Well, option one is to upsize pipes. So we can f scroll forward so I can show you here. I mean, you know, some f folks here, and you've probably heard a lot about this mayor, is just, oh, well, green infrastructure is very expensive to build. On the top, you see a couple pictures there. On the left-hand side, pavers, they look really pretty. Uh, very conventional, though. When it rains, those pavers don't take water in. If you look to the right, that's a product called Pave Drain. Uh, you guys actually have several Pave Drain projects here in the city. Mm -hmm. They look great, but guess what? They're taking the water in off the surface, so that water never finds a drain. Some folks will say, well, you know, it's too expensive to maintain these things. Well, again, look at my second tier of pictures here. Think about every single parking lot that you go into. I don't care where you are. There's gardens everywhere, and those gardens have a little wall built around them or a curbing. And guess what? They can't take any stormwater in. On the right-hand side, this is a rain garden actually in the city of Cocoa Beach that we did. So these gardens have little cuts in the curb that allow water to come in there and now manage the water. So they're both vegetated. They both need to be weeded. They both need mm -hmm. to be trimmed. So they virtually look the same. Um, and then the last thing I got down, and this is, I think, so huge. It's too expensive to repair. I was down on Front Street the other day. Um, and just looking at some opportunities here in the city of where we could implement green infrastructure. And there was a construction crew out there. I walked up to the guys and says, hey, what's going on out here? He says, well, we're doing a stormwater project. We're making these pipes bigger so we can flow more water through them and we don't have as much flooding in this area. And I says, oh, and they said, oh, by the way, we're putting in some pavers, the permeable pavers over yep. here too. I says, oh, this is great. But, yep. you know, an example of when these pipes fail, 
you got to dig up the road. You got to dig up the pipe. You got to replace the pipe with a much, much bigger pipe, and then you get to put it all back down together again. On the right hand side, bottom right, that's a rain garden. Guess what? It's easy to fix these mm-hmm. things. They're right at the surface. You can see what the problem is. Maybe you replace some plants. Maybe you need to scour some mulch or change some mulch out, and you've got yourself a new project working, or sorry, a, a, a rain garden that's working the same all over again. Yep. So in terms of maintenance, I really think it makes maintenance a lot easier. And honestly, you mentioned this, which leads me to believe, and, and I know that you guys are already thinking about this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things in the stormwater codes that say, yeah, we want to do green infrastructure. This is a great way to manage water. Sometimes the development code prevents those things from happening the two don't talk and so you know looking in and looking at your development code or maybe looking at your city ordinances and making sure that it's favorable that you can maybe plant trees so close to a building or whatever the case may be is really really important um so yeah so i mean at the end of the day green infrastructure looks a lot like what you're used to seeing on the day-to-day but technology's changed so that we can really just try and put that water back down into the ground um, and I think I might have one more, but that could be the end of yeah. the the um, end of the scene. So, yeah, that's kind of like green infrastructure 101, really, really right. fast, right? So to give you an understanding of what that is, and just to reiterate again, it's just a different way of thinking in terms of how do we manage that water rather than putting it in a pipe. We want to try and put it back down into the ground, and we want to make it look really pretty when we do that. Well, when you think about what the the regulations for the city, for example, and I'll use. Uh, for, for our golf courses, um, and we're redoing all our golf courses, both golf courses, and you know we have to get we have to get rid of reclaimed water uh, by state law. We have to get rid of a large amount of, uh, of that. So, what we're doing now is we're 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 watering our, our golf courses. We're redoing all that. You have to get rid of it, and you just find some something to do with it. And there's there's no different here as you know you got to get rid of this water. You're going to pay one way, or you're going to pay the other. And at the end of the day what kind of downtown and what kind of city do you want and you you know as you pour concrete the city gets hotter there's no doubt and you go into some cities that's nothing but concrete if they bear it gets hot uh this will help manage that heat and and again it, it i think it it kind of gives people uh you know more sense of of, of i think the more sense of a, of a of a better home a better downtown a better place to be better place to live you know and and so um, I'm looking forward to doing this, um, and and really our council. Uh, when you came when you came before council, I said, look, I don't want you to just talk about. It. I want us to. Do, I want to do it. I, I think we have to pull the trigger on this. Uh, we're already doing it in projects, and a, uh, again, I, I think this is going to be, you know, maybe us be a, a leader in this. So, um, Canaveral, um, what are they doing too that we're not doing? Uh, I would say they're starting. I mean, I, I think what they're what they're doing is following in the in the footsteps of what you guys have been doing. I mean, they're okay. looking for opportunities to manage water, much like this city. Uh, Port Canaveral is an older, or sorry, Cape Canaveral. It's an older city. Right. Uh, when you drive through the city, you see a lot of curb and gutters. You don't see really any green infrastructure or things right. in place for that water to go. So I would say that they're looking at opportunities the same way that you guys are, um, and 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 upgrading and looking at sustainability and things like that. So. I actually met with them last week. We drove through the President's uh, neighborhood, as I learned what it was called, that community all the streets are named for the President's, and just looking for opportunities to say, where can we get this water off the street? Because it does stack up. They've got some flooding issues there uh, in certain neighborhoods. And so um, really, I would say most of the stuff that we do is is similar. You know, we're looking at some porous concrete opportunities there to put in their gutter lines so they can 
penetrate or infiltrate water there as opposed to letting it get to the storm drain. Um, so they don't have a really cool downtown area like you guys do, so they don't mm -hmm. have that big well, we got two of them I know you got <laughs> O'Galley too, so it was yeah. great. You know, I mean, going through the city and, and, and at your request, looking at some opportunities yeah. to do some things, some really neat areas that, I mean, people are, they're just already, you can see people flocking in, businesses coming in. So, um, you know, I would say that uh, much like you guys, they're looking for opportunities to use green infrastructure so they don't got to worry about going and tearing up pipes. Well, well let me ask you a question then. Um, I, I noticed like on, there's, I've, I've seen some issues, um, some of the properties there off Cypress and stuff, they, they, they're, they're required to have, you know, concrete slabs. What about the concrete that's got the grass that grows between them? Tell us, you know, what, what oh, is yeah. that and tell us about that. Yeah, so there's a bunch of different... I'm learning here, oh, too. Yeah. That's why, I'm going to pick your brain. I'm learning here, too. I, I love like it. it. Yeah, I love it. So, I, you know, I, I'm really fortunate in the fact that working at Ferguson, we, we are a product reseller. We're a distributor, so we see all kinds of neat products. And there's all kinds of different porous or permeable surfaces. So one of the ones you're talking about, maybe a concrete paver yeah. um, that's got holes in it yeah. that, you, that grass can actually grow up and grow through. Yeah. Uh, there's other ones that are just pure concrete. They can look like concrete at the surface, but they actually have little porous spaces in them where the water can go through. Okay. We showed you some examples of some pavers on there. There's also some really cool things nowadays that, you know, folks will say, well, I don't want to have concrete. You know, I want to use maybe grass or I want to use a gravel surface. So there's these neat grid systems that you can, they create these little kind of porous spaces that okay. you can fill with stone or you can fill with soil. And now you've got a different type of surface. But again, the whole purpose purpose is to keep that rain on site. So there's yeah. numerous different technologies to do that. And at the end of the day, we kind of pick and choose and say, what's going to look the best for this community or what's going to mm. look the best for this neighborhood, maybe this nice. downtown district, and also function. You know, that's going to be a, a very big part of what we're looking at in terms of, of selecting a technology. Nice. See, that's, yeah. that's, what do you think of that, Jesse? Oh, I, I love all of it. Um, again, it's a beautification project. It's also, you know, you can mitigate uh, traffic and parking issues, all kinds of different things. I've seen the, lots of success with, with other uh, municipalities in, in uh, employing all these uh, features. I, I'm, I'm really excited about it all. You know, having these, the baffle boxes and knowing what their, their purpose is for, you know, uh, reducing litter and, of course, you know, chemicals. The whole thing just makes me uh, a little more prouder. Yeah, you know, because because uh, we're actually taking the steps to, to mitigate you know the the, the stormwater problem, and uh, not for nothing as as you mentioned a, a couple times, we are growing more concrete is being laid, more asphalt and roads and so forth. So, uh, it's going to be a continuing challenge to right. find a place for all this runoff to go. Yeah, and you know, I, th I think there's one thing that all of us can say, no matter what, development's not stopping. No. I mean, people aren't gonna Far quit coming here. No, <laughs> we, we live in too pretty of a place and we have too many cool things to do here for right. people to stop yeah. coming here. So I always tell folks, development's gonna happen. Right. And, and that's okay, that's healthy, that's a great thing for our society. There's a real healthy way to do it though, in terms of protecting the environment. And so there's so many things available now that, yeah, we're creating amenities. I mean, it's it's hard to think, but these these landscaped amenities or these mm. paver amenities that we've talked about are actually assets. They're assets that make things look prettier around right. us, but they're also assets that are going to manage water and do it in a different and healthier way for the lagoon. And I always tell folks, you know, they say, well, you know, green infrastructure, this is a different way to manage water. And we talked about some of the things, the challenges in terms of perceptions. Uh, you know, the reality is, yeah, maybe we're going to spend a little bit more money from time to time to, right. to develop something. But I think that people would rather do that 
than just turn development off. You know, mm-hmm. if our waterways get so polluted that folks don't want to come here and they, they can't swim. I mean, there's lots of places right. where things like that can't happen. We're not there yet in Florida, fortunately, but there's lots of places where the things we used to do in water have totally changed and we mm-hmm. can't let our kids or our grandchildren go do those same things. And to me, that's what's going to stop development is if people don't want to come here anymore well, or live then, here or, or live move, here or, and, or live and they want to move, move away. Yeah. Well, guess what? We got different challenges. And exactly. so this is a fun one for me because I know there's, I know this is, we've seen, like you said, other right. people implement it. It's great. There's ways to develop sm- smarter. Yeah. You know, and instead of just a careless, reckless kind of way where you're, you know, uh, it, it, all that mitigation is, is an afterthought. You know, where do we have like a, a little mitigation pond, you know, under property where, you know, water can go to. Now, you know, you, you, you see that. You see that's part of the architectural plan, you know, the blueprints. You know, there's there's a, there's a there's got to be a place where, you know, water to go to. And, uh, and it, it's refreshing yeah. because, again, smart development is the way to go. It's a chaos development that we don't want. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you think about the way, just look around, you know, we're we're probably, hopefully you learned a couple things today, listening Mm -hmm. to this and think about when you see, now, you know, these big ponds that you see that are built, they're built to manage stormwater, typically on a site. Where do you see them? They're behind the building. No one wants to see those big muddy ponds. You know, (laughs) we, we don't want to see that. Well, green infrastructure says, no way, man, we're going to give you cool stuff that looks beautiful and we can fold it right into the landscape and put it front and center because everyone wants to be around this stuff. It's pretty. It's Mm -hmm. just, so it's a different way of, of really really managing water. And I would say one that really, truly brings joy. You know, I talk mm-hmm. about the benefits of the lagoon. That's what I'm most concerned sure. about. I want to keep going swimming and boating and taking my wife out there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like the mayor said, the heat island effect. Concrete's hot, man. I mean, it's just creating, it makes a temperature rise. And, and living in Florida, I mean, I know we're used to it, right? We all uh-huh. live in the swamp. But I got love sitting under a tree in the middle right. of July. And so there's so many other benefits, as as Mayor pointed, that, that heat island effect. You're just really calming that down. So many cool things come from this stuff. It's not just about protecting our waterways. Well, I just put on my Facebook page, uh, we just uh, was designated, you know, with uh, Tree City USA because uh, I thought that was uh, big for the city of mm-hmm. Melbourne. Um, and, and, you know, that's recognized uh, nationally where they recognize many cities for, you know, their uh for having tree coverage and you know that melbourne getting that designation is very 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 important to me and it's very it's like success you know seeing good things happen mm. you know what what i what i kind of tasked when you came before council one thing i tasked from you um is bring whatever you can to us and 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 you know let's let's go uh in the, in that route w- one thing for example years ago r- i remember rain barrels yeah uh, mm-hmm. rain barrels you know really want to some cities around here don't even do rain barrels uh, to my understanding they don't really you know they're they don't give you any kind of uh incentive to do it but like city of melbourne we actually do that so having rain barrels and capturing that water and then reusing it little things like that you know it makes it it's not only to me it's fun but it it's good for the environment yeah 100 percent. it makes a difference and that's one way that just one person can pitch in i mean you put a rain barrel in your in your house you're capturing that rainwater. and remember we said we don't want to let the city deal with it so you're capturing it and now you got something to water your plants or i mean do some wash really neat car. stuff with wash your car <laughs> yeah. there's tons of cool stuff to do with it and now you're helping the lagoon by saving a little bit of water um, you're you're like you said you're doing something kind of fun it feels good to reuse the the, the rainwater. um and uh shameless plug for mrc normally you can buy <laughs> the rain barrels at mrc they sell them so yeah, okay. uh, if you ever want to get one go on their website uh my buddy steve will help you find one of those things and yeah it's just every if everyone did one little thing you'd be shocked at, at what a huge impact it would have and that's just such a simple thing to do and, Good and, point. and on that point you know I, I know we're talking about municipalities commercial 
uh, customers as well. For the private homeowner, especially if they are on like, you know, a protected uh, pond, swale, or even a riverfront property, we've seen uh, what they call a living shoreline yeah. dissipate and, and mitigate that just, you know, straight up going right down that manicured lawn, bringing all that fertilizer right into the lagoon where a living shoreline whether it's mangrove or just a little bit of a sand or sediment where it just stops. So before it goes into the river, it has a little bit of a barrier. Um, what kind of other, like like for the homeowners, what could they do privately? Yeah, I, you know, there's always, building the rain garden so simple, it's funny, mm. I got into a conversation with my wife. You talk about uh, talking about, uh, you know, talking to different groups. And what's a, what's a rain garden? Well, my wife and I are really proud of our garden. We got butterflies. She's, she's, uh, she's, and she listens to me talk about green infrastructure <laughs> every day. So we said, let's put a rain garden in our front yard. Essentially, it's just a little depression storage mm-hmm. so that when it rains, the water has a place to collect and then perk down into the ground. Again, maybe it doesn't make it all the way to that curb line. Um, so rain gardens are a really cool thing that you can do. Honestly, fertilizer. I mean, there's so many things with fertilizer ordinances. And while that's not a green infrastructure practice, ultimately, you know, we're all caring about the overall health of a lagoon. So be careful when you fertilize. Be careful not to put too much of it down. And and I know the city and and Brevard County, too, has got some great resources um, that that tell folks about that. I mean, at the end of the day, when it rains, everything we do, that water's picking up and it's taken into the Indian River Lagoon. So everything that you do not to put something down that's going to be harmful is a huge win. And it's one of the reasons why cities and counties place so much importance on that. Uh, rain barrels are another awesome thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, just little small incremental things like that right. that make a big difference. Plants, you know, I mean, you think about f- uh, native plants here to Florida, um, they're, they're, they don't need to be trimmed as often. There's lots of flowers and colors. And when that all starts to happen, bees and butterflies and all kinds of fun wildlife show up at your house too so you know those are just again some ancillary kind of social benefits that happen from picking a plant maybe that doesn't need as much fertilizer it doesn't need as much water Mm -hmm. those are things we can also do to be helping well we know natives especially here on on the uh, the barrier island which is a lot more i think uh uh, sensitive uh you know to the runoff situation because the water really has nowhere to go on a barrier island but either the ocean or the river so when you could have a little bit more of a xeriscaping, you know, uh, thing and, and, and less lawn, and especially the natives, which, yeah, bring the pollinators, but they also have been growing here for, you know, without any human help. You know, they, they, they know the salty air well. They know the soil and the, and the sandy uh, soil here. They know, you know, they're, 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 they've survived here for, for so long without our interaction. And, again, the, the local insects love them. They're familiar. So having natives in, in any kind of landscape idea is, I, th- I think, imperative. It's huge, yeah. yeah. And, you know, little things like the living shoreline, that is an awesome way mm-hmm. to protect erosion in your backyard. Yep. Great way to actually add and start to build up um, some of that sand. Uh, as, as I've learned at, at Marine Resources Council, mm-hmm. they've got a great demonstration over there yeah. of some different uh, technologies that they've implemented along the shoreline. And what you see all of a sudden is the shoreline actually starts to grow a little bit. You know, these seawalls aren't always great, you know. Yeah, I can see the water, but guess what? Mangroves are pretty as well, you know? So Absolutely. vegetating your shoreline helps. Yeah. It's going to help with erosion. Uh, it's going to help build those banks. And then when we do get those storms, and, you know, I hate it when they come, but they're going to come, sure. it really protects that shoreline from falling away or falling apart on you, which is mm-hmm. huge. And you're doing it with native plants. I mean, they're just like you said, they've been here forever, and mm-hmm. they just, they're they're doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. No maintenance, no fertilizer needed. They yeah. just plant them and, and leave them. Yeah. You know? it, 
You know, yeah. doc, Dr. Soto had made an interesting comment about, and I never thought of that, was uh, about the mangroves, how it reduces the energy, the energy back and forth. You know, the water right. goes back and forth. It's beaten back and forth. Therefore, it's be, you know, the bottom, it, it's kind of beaten on the bottom where, where you know, you kind of kills the seagrass. Yeah. But having mangrove, it, it absorbs some of that energy, uh, and that could be a possibility of why some of the sea, we have seagrass issues. So I'd yeah. like to see that come back with more mangroves and, and kind of get natural and that's really what i'm pushing here at the city of melbourne you know, as mayor is that we're going to we're going to we want to try to stay as natural as possible we're going to have growth uh it's inevitable but we're going to have smart growth and you know it's going to we're going to maintain a a, a, green, a green lifestyle because i i think that's a direction that our residents want want to be they they love they love their trees they love their plants they they like to they like to feel like basically they're in a park in every neighborhood they go and you know we're going to get back uh, back to that way with your help chris yeah, no, absolutely. And it's I, I, honestly, it's so refreshing to me to see the conversation that's happening around the lagoon and having, honestly, leaders as yourself that are vision, see this vision and say, I always tell folks, you know, my dad, when I was a kid, he used to always tell me, kid, you know, son, Chris, you keep doing the same thing over and over again and you expect a different outcome. That's a <laughs> definition of insanity. And sure. I used to tell him, dad, you're crazy, right? None of us ever listen to our parents. But right. as I've gotten older, I've come to realize if we want to just keep dumping water and dumping water and dumping water in the lagoon or any kind of estuary or water body, guess what? We see the consequences of that. So if we want to do, we want to change, we want something different, we expect a different outcome, do something a little bit different. And green infrastructure is a totally different way to manage water, a very healthy, sustainable way to manage right. water. And oh, by the way, like you said, it just looks great. Well, you know, if you were to ask me as mayor, what's the, one of the, the, the most baffling things I would say about stormwater? It's, like, for example, the size of Melbourne, you know, let's say 55 square miles. You have a whole area over many, for decades, that basically the old way of doing it was was just to dump all the water into a canal into the lagoon you know and everything off the street everything off the road the phosphorus the nitrogen the you know the the parts of car tires and the rubber everything mm -hmm. just goes to the lagoon so you know as i see each baffle box being built and the one uh spring creek will take care of of, of what is it around 50 uh, 50 acres, 55, 60 acres. But you think about 60 acres around the O'Galley area does nothing but dump into the Indian River Lagoon. So, you know, we're taxing ourselves. We're, we're doing all these, you know, we're trying to clean the lagoon. If we don't get ahead of this and we don't get these baffle boxes and we don't clean them regularly, we don't move into a low-impact development style and stop dumping water that way, uh, then we're really going to have the same result. And that's a that's a F- on a, on a lagoon report. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, it's you guys have done an awesome job with showing the public uh, what these baffle boxes do. Sherwood Park is an excellent example that the baffle boxes that the mayor's talking about, there's some in the city that have glass tops on them. I don't know if you've seen these or not, Jesse, but you can just walk right over and look down yeah. inside of those things and you can see the, garbage the cups, enormous yeah. amount of trash and garbage that's collected in these things yeah. and held onto. And, you know, to take it a step further, the mayor said it, maintaining those things. Yeah. I mean, I love, I was, uh, went for the ribbon cutting of that actually and mm -hmm. saw the big truck that said, hey, your stormwater utility money paid for this truck that's cleaning out these boxes that's keeping that river really safe so you know the maintenance practices seeing those things happen it's really cool but your residents can just go find one of those guys and look down inside and really see what the investment is doing with their with their own two eyes it's well, crazy I, yeah. I, i'll tell you what was pretty interesting to me and it's at the sherwood park when um you see all that water coming into the baffle box and then right right where it's uh, uh 
um, what is that, Robin Hood. And mm. you see it going into the baffle box, and then when it comes out, the color of the water, when it goes in, it's kind of dirty. It's like an orangish, and then when it comes out, it's like clean. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's having to do with the, the bold and gold or whatever it's doing, but you look at the water, it's almost like it's drinkable. And it's like, it's wild to think that, you know, a baffle box is cleaning the water that much, but it comes out and it's like, that's pretty cool to see that water clean that quick and mm-hmm. all the debris and, you know, and I think, I don't know if it was a joke, one of the engineers like, yeah, you could probably drink that. I'm like, oh, I know. You can, you go first. <laughs> yeah, you go first. I may treat it first. <laughs> yeah, don't drink the water coming out of a baffle box, <laughs> no. but aesthetically it looks yeah. clean. You're right. Yeah. I mean, you can distinctively tell a difference. Orange to clear. It's like it, amazing what these, these, these do. Well, so. well, yeah. well, one, one, doesn't look, you know, too too inviting to send to the river. The other one, oh, I don't mind sending that product to the river. That's yeah. exactly right. You know? Yeah, you can and, really and, see it. And haven't mentioned that Sherwood. I actually lived in that neighborhood off of Robin Hood for uh, just a, a better part of last year. And uh, when it did rain, I actually like would come to like a crawling kind of you know stop and look, and it was, I mean, it was doing a job. I mean, the baffle boxes were working, tons of water entering, you know, that that area, and you just saw the whole thing being implemented, and you know. The, the the litter was rising to the top. It wasn't going to the next stage and and, and beyond. And and uh, it was it was it's quite the engineering uh, you know uh, feature. So uh, recommend yeah go go check these out. Be proud of them. Yeah, absolutely. Be proud of what the city's doing. And I forgot I got sidetracked earlier, but Sherwood Park is an awesome example. If you ever go to that place, you know mm-hmm. I remember when we went to the ribbon cutting. Folks are like, you know, the only thing that this whole project is missing is walking trails because mm-hmm. it looks yeah, the, gorgeous. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah, people rain, were like yeah. wanted to go in there, and that's a trend the too. rain garden absolutely yeah, the, the yeah. rain garden yeah, pretty neat because there is some uh vacant like lawn yeah where easily there could be like a gazebo or whatever i mean i'm not yeah. sure you know a dog park or any matter of things it could be you know well, a walking trail would be nice yeah. when I, you walk back in there and you see all the plants and the natural the flowers it's it pretty yeah. pretty wild when you look at that and just to think that hey all this is here to to catch water to, to clean water and it's a real nice place to go and um, I, I'd put that on my social media a while back, and mm-hmm. people were like, where's that at? Where's that at? Is that in Melbourne? And I was like, yeah, it is in Melbourne. Sure. Pretty yeah. crazy. That it's was one wild. of the things, actually, you talk about what, what is Port Canaveral doing. We looked at a couple of vacant lots that uh, that maybe they have the opportunity to, to purchase, and they're mm-hmm. going to make them these kind of – they call them stormwater parks, essentially – it's the only vegetated piece of property around so they can create walking trails and things like that on it as an amenity for the community and then oh by Love the it. way we can manage water on this site yeah, too yeah. so much like sherwood park it's taking these natural landscaped areas and making them an amenity for folks that they don't want to walk around on the concrete. They'd love to go into a little wooded area. And, oh, by the way, it's keeping a bunch of water from going into the lagoon. Right. Really, really neat to see those things It gives habitat to, to birds and insects and all the like, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I love that. Yeah, I, you know, t- when we were with uh, Dr. Soto at, at Cape Canaveral, I, I, or at Port Canaveral, the, uh, I forget what it was called, but the bird, the, the, the bird, uh, um, festival that you guys had i don't know if it was oh, gotcha. here every year but it was canceled now because the birds just aren't in the lagoon like they used to be that the was birds a marine, aren't in the river. Uh, merritt island rather yeah marine sanctuary that's exactly yeah. right so it's just you know by when the habitat starts to go away right. um guess what so do the birds and so do the fish and so, and so do the, the manatee and yeah and yeah. we don't can't do those things anymore so creating these like rain gardens with these flowers and you'd be shocked but mm-hmm. you bring the flowers in that brings the butterflies and the bugs in and that brings the birds in and they're back yeah. and you can yeah. see them again so again just all part of really being an amenity for for the for the community yeah 100 percent. and uh and i think i'm if, if i'm not wrong i i, I think i know the couple lots that you're referring to 
but I'm not going to disclose because I don't want to be wrong and, and share the wrong thing. But uh, oh, that the realtor coming out and Jesse. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there we go. There. Uh, uh, no, there, but there's Jesse. a few. There's a few open spaces that it could be, and I've yeah. heard of um, other developments that could possibly be entertaining. You know, building there, but you know, any anything that helps because you know the port's surrounded by. Uh, not only ocean water, but also river water and everything else, and uh, and it's where they combine. So having the, the cleanest water at that that area should be, you know, kind of, kind of vital. Yeah, and you know, one cool thing about green infrastructure too, and we've talked about it, is it, it you're managing the water on that site. So you think about for a city, if there are opportunities for you to kind of redevelop an area that you already own increase the the amenities make it prettier and better for folks to be there mm. and manage stormwater that's a heck of a lot cheaper than having to go out and acquire properties mm. especially in a city like melbourne where there's really no more vacant land or anything so if you need to create a new a new stormwater park or you want to create a new pond or something to kind of store water instead of putting in the lagoon it's really expensive to do that right. fixing what you currently have is a heck of a lot more cost effective than than going out and buying new land and then doing all that stuff on yeah. top of it so it's a great way to also utilize what what you currently have 100 percent. well in the city code we have basically when you when you kind of turn a neighborhood we're trying to you know do more with sidewalks and giving people the ability to walk and that's just part of the overall you know comprehensive plan with melbourne so uh you know, we're. I know our time's about up. We're running on on our, about it. What about fifty minutes? Yeah, told me yeah, what we minutes, do. Yeah. And you have anything else for us, or what? What's your thought? No, I mean, I'm excited. I'm uh, looking forward to presenting um, some solutions to you for the city of Melbourne at Good. your request. We've got some yes. really neat spots. That we went through the city and found some great opportunities to implement green infrastructure. So you know, it's funny you say. I think I know that lot. Mm-hmm. I walk around with cities and counties all the time, and it all starts to kind of look the same, right? right. So I forget <laughs> where I'm going and I forget where I am. But um, but yeah, I mean what's next for us ultimately is is really trying to continue to spread this message um, educate folks you know on what low impact development is what green infrastructure mm-hmm. is and the benefits of it and then working with cities and counties to figure out where are their opportunities to get it put in and then right. helping them get it done well if, if, if you want to know what it looks like go down pineapple avenue um all that's been yeah. replaced there all the uh all the uh, planners uh, you'll see it soon in downtown Melbourne. Again, it's a pilot program. I don't know if I call it pilot because that's that's the direction we are going. But you're going to see more and more of this. And there, again, there's a method behind this madness, and it's 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 obtaining and and retaining the stormwater in the area, and actually making it uh, this place more of a, a green space. So, you know, Chris, I want to I want to thank you for coming for council and really working with our staff and and helping us understand you know a better way to to manage stormwater and to make a better quality of life for our residents because to me that that's yeah. what our job here is and i and i want to thank my fellow council members uh for being supportive on on this idea and uh, also our city staff because i know you know that, that there's always a mentality of, of a way to do things and sometimes change is hard but you know change is necessary so again thank you for you you know thank you to you for doing that and also want to thank uh, jesse jesse for you know putting on this podcast and even out for you were out for a couple weeks you you were in a bad yes. skydiving accident yeah, right sure. <laughs> <laughs> right so we were out for a little bit with jesse now jesse jesse uh you know glad glad you got out of jail jesse that was good you know sheriff treated me good though <laughs> you weren't in jail i'm not gonna do that to you. three squares a day <laughs> three squares a day no no again we're uh thank you thank uh thanks to everyone for tuning in and if you have any idea what you'd like to see in the city of melbourne reach out to me you know you can follow me on my facebook and now i'm actually on tiktok and I, i'm yes. i'm reaching i am I on it. tiktok now and i have a mayor message if you go to my tiktok and watch it uh that that's that is me uh 
and and I've got a mayor message, but you're going to have to go to my TikTok to watch it, and I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you what it is, and I think you'll like it. So uh, <laughs> follow me on TikTok on uh, May, uh, Mayor Paul Alfrey and here on Facebook. And again, you have any questions? Uh, if you want to reach out, feel free. And uh, again, thanks everyone for the input, and uh, again, thank thanks to y'all for another great show. All right. Till next time, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in.